Come and be saved is Calvary's cry. Thank you so much. If you have a Bible, turn to the book of Ephesians. If you're watching at home this morning, thank you for joining us. I'd encourage you to get a Bible and follow along as well. It is more challenging to pay attention at home, I know. But I appreciate your taking the time to join us. We've been preaching a series of messages this month on the family. The family, our own individual family, and then the greater family, the church. And seeing truths in the scriptures relating to such. One more will be this morning. I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, and read a few verses here. This is Paul, of course, the apostle writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, and he writes in verse 13, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. They would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. This morning I'm going to bring a message entitled Provisions for the Family. God's given us in the scriptures some wonderful provisions. How we can be the kind of family that will glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray and ask God to meet with us now. Thank you, Lord, for your love and blessing, and thank you for this opportunity for us this morning to meet together. And Lord, I thank you for allowing us the, the safety to get here this morning. I pray that your spirit might be thick in this place, working in each and every heart. And Lord, I pray that we will be conformed more into your image. Thank you for what you're going to do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, we see in verse 15. Simply put, all creatures find their origination in Christ. He was the fountainhead, if you will. The whole family is named after Christ. We're family here. It's from a word meaning lineage or ancestry. All came from an original creator, if you will. In heaven and earth, whether it be angel or human, all came from the same creating source. The thought here, the focus, seems to be that all humans came from God. It also means that all the saved still living and those already in heaven. The emphasis is on the supernatural act of a loving God, creator. 
as opposed to Adam, who simply passed along God's gift of life. Now, with that in mind, in John 1, beginning in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made by the Word. All things were made by the expression of His Father, the Word. In John 1.10, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. In Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, notice, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Jesus. Jesus is frequently identified in the scriptures as being the creator. Jesus. Jesus, in Colossians 1.15, was called the firstborn of every creature. Colossians 1.15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. I looked it up. The word firstborn here literally means the cause of every creature. He was the original cause. All creatures came from the original cause, the creator, Jesus, the firstborn. Of every creature. Colossians 1.17, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things He might have the preeminence. Jesus is the firstborn, or the cause, of every creature. As such, Jesus should be the primary focus of every person. Mark 12.30, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The military has a very well-defined structure, order. Hierarchy. The higher an officer goes in rank, the more attention he draws wherever he goes. When a commanding general takes the field, every eye remains transfixed on his every move, and each word is carefully weighed. Jesus, as our commanding general, deserves to have the same attention from his children. A focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some observations about the family. First of all, we are all tied 
to Christ as our creator. Christ spoke and the worlds were created. He created Adam, he created Eve. And of course, from them came us. We're all tied to a creator. We are all tied to each other as being from the same creator source. We are all obliged to subject ourselves to the creator. We are all, therefore, part of the same family. And family sticks together. Family stands up for one another. Family bears the burdens of other family members. Family takes responsibility for other family members. Typically, at the death of a family member, all the family gathers together to pay the respects. Even, even the ones that have been on the outs. Even the black sheep. They come together at those times to pay their respects. Why? Because family is family. In church, the family. In church. We need to treat each other as family. It's a peculiar thing that God did in creating the church. Because he took all these different personalities all these different gift mixes and varied backgrounds, likes and dislikes, temperaments, and threw them all together and said, now get along and love each other. And as you do, you will have the opportunity to affect a community for me. Because they will know that you're Christians by your love. And that will be so different than everything else. It will radiate my nature to a lost world. In Revelation 3 and verse 12, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in my temp of the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. He says, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. And of course, this is a time in the future. But it's describing a group of overcomers. Those that overcome the persecutions of the tribulation. The principle is such that for winning the victory in the Christian life, specifically over unfaithfulness, sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil, God promises a special recognition for overcomers. In some fashion, he will write his name, the name of his city, and that of Jesus' name, his new name, on those who finish their course this time something about wearing the name of things that we love. My, my kids live in Philadelphia, and there's something really different about Philadelphians. They are an unusual sports city, a violent 
sports city. They are a family. And, and you don't mess with Philadelphians when it comes to sports. <laughs> they, my kids, they all have Philly jerseys and the Eagles jerseys. And, of course, today's a big day for them. And, and it's so, so significant that there have been times where they've debated even having church because their church members decide to spend their time watching the game because the game obviously is more important. But what they do is they collectively wear the jersey of the team they're cheering for. Eagles. I wanted to be a Broncos fan coming out here. I really wanted to be. But how can you be a Broncos fan right now? But I'm praying. And maybe someday I'll wear a Broncos jersey. But why do they do that? They do that because they proudly display the person they're cheering for, the person they love, the team they love. I found it interesting. That's what God's going to do. He's going to put his name on these overcomers. The name of the new Jerusalem. The new name of Jesus. I don't know. We don't know what his name is. What his new name is going to be. The new name is going to be written on them, these overcomers. And though we are not going to be tribulation saints, there's a principle taught here of overcoming all these things and standing before God and receiving that incredible blessing that he gives to those who have overcome the temptations of the life today. A family of overcomers. And I mentioned the title was Provisions for the Family. And so let's get into them. Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't live in Ephesus. I don't qualify for that part, but I can qualify for the faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 13 reads, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. And then he lists a long series of blessings. Because you're going through some persecution right now. Because you're going through a hard time right now. I bow my knees before the God of the heaven. And I ask him to give you a list of provisions. And those provisions are available for us today, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. First one is strength. Strength. The first provision that he offers to those who are going through difficult times is strength in the inner man. Not, not physical strength. Inner strength. You ever notice how your physical strength wanes when your inner strength is depleted? When, when your spirit is exhausted or hurt, you just you don't feel good. You don't, you're not strong. But oh, well, that inner man is, is what it needs to be. You can do anything. Strength for the inner man. Psalm 138, verse 3, In that day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. He gives me strength when I cry out to him. In Isaiah 40, Verse 29 and following, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. 
Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. He gives strength as I wait upon him. Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? This makes no sense what you're asking me to go through. Just wait. Just wait. And as you wait upon him, not taking matters in your own hands, as you wait upon him, not understanding that as you wait patiently for him to lead, he gives you strength. Isaiah 41, 9 and 10, Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. To his own he gives strength. Fear not, for I am with thee. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He gives strength to the weak. Have you been weak lately? He says, I've got a provision for you. I'll give you strength. I'll be your strength. In Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 2 Corinthians 4.16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. He gives strength by renewing us inwardly. He gives us strength, provision number one. Christ dwells in your hearts by faith. Number two, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. He dwells in your hearts. Now, this is different than salvation. Salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells. But here it says Christ will dwell in your hearts. He'll abide with you. In John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. If a man love me, a believer loves me, I'm going to come and live with him. I'm going to dwell with him, spend time with him, abide with him. 1 John 4, 16, And we have known and believed the love of God. Love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Christ dwells in us as we love him. Christ dwells in us in order to perfect us. John 17, 23, I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. To be made perfect in one. Christ dwells in us to identify us as His. Oh, you're one of them. How do you know? Because Christ dwells in us. 2 Corinthians 6.16 And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? 
For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He dwells in us to identify us as His. You're one of mine. Christ dwells in us as we die to self. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He dwells in us as we die to self. Third provision is a life of Christ, grounded in love. Verse 17, the end of the verse, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. First of all, Romans 5, 5, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So we learn here that the love of God is by the Holy Ghost. How do we get God's love? We get it through the vessel of the Holy Ghost. He is the conduit of God's love. To us. Oftentimes I'll pray with someone grieving or someone in the hospital or someone on their deathbed. I'll pray that the Holy Spirit of God will wrap His comforting arms around them. That they might feel, sense His presence. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. Jesus went to heaven and said, I leave with you another comforter. He wants to comfort us in times of sorrow. The love of God is by the Holy Spirit. The love of God motivates a life for Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of God constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. The love of God motivates us to live for him. He loves us. That kind of love should stir us to want to live our lives for Him. Fourth provision is to know the love of Christ. To know it. To know it. It's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to understand in your head. It's a completely different level to have that understanding in your heart. I bow my knees that He would grant you, verse 19, to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. In Philippians 2, 5 and following, Paul says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What kind of a mind did Christ Jesus have? Well, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him a form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What kind of a mind did Jesus have? He had a mind of humility. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. The love of Christ is demonstrated in humility. Do you love like Christ? Do you love like Christ did? Well, here we learn a Christ-like love 
is a humble love. In 1 John 4, 10, 11, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so love us, we ought also to love one another. The love of Christ is to be expressed to others. Oh, we have an amazing gift of God as He gives us His love. How wonderful to be loved by God. I love it. <laughs> I love being loved. I love being loved by God. It's awesome. But it's not to stay with me. The love that gives me is meant to be shared. I am to become a conduit, a channel of His love. And oh, I love being loved, but it's not to stop there because if His love stops there, it's going to become stagnant. It's going to become selfish. It's going to become me-oriented. And all of a sudden, my attitude is going to be changing. And instead of having a loving attitude, I'm going to become bitter. Because the conduit's plugged up. It's backing up. The love of Christ is to be shared. And in verse 19, the end of the verse, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. One of the provisions is to be filled with His fullness. Fullness of God. All aspects of God. What do you need today? What part of God do you need today? Need some mercy today? Need some strength today? Need some wisdom today? How about having all the fullness of God. He says it is at your disposal as one of the provisions that I have for you. In Colossians 2, 9 and 10, for in him, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're in him. So you're complete. As he's complete. Colossians 1, 18 and 19, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Christ, who is fully God, the fullness of the Godhead, is the head of the church. And look around, we are the church. What are we? We are complete in Him who is complete in the Godhead. We have the provision of the fullness of God. Lastly, lastly, He gives us in the last couple of verses here resources for the family. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I like a little chorus. He's able, he's able, I know he is able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He's able. What do you need? He's able. What do you need him to do? He's able. What obstacle is standing in your way? I got good news. He's able. 
Romans 4, 21, and being fully persuaded that what he has promised, he was able also to perform. He said he would do it. He can do it. In Jude 1, 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He's able. There is no need that our God cannot meet. He is all-powerful and desirous of taking care of his children. First of all, he's able. Secondly, the end of verse 20, according to the power that worketh in us, his power works in us. The power of Christ, that supernatural enabling power that gives you the strength you need when you need it most to accomplish his will. His power is working in you. Do you feel it? Probably not. You see it? Probably not. But if you're allowing him to have his way with you, others will begin to see it. Your life will be different. Why? Because of his power. Verse 21, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Here's the goal of his family. The body of Christ, that's us, is to glorify Christ. The body of Christ is to glorify Christ. Are we glorifying Him today? We, as the body, are we getting along? Is there a unity, brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ? Are we praying for one another? One way of fulfilling this goal is to serve him with a unity of spirit, and that's well-pleasing to him. That's his goal. Are we always going to get along with each other? No. There's going to be tiffs. There's going to be some hurt feelings. There's going to be things said that shouldn't have been said. We're going to take some things, quite frankly, wrong. But let's not leave it there. Let's immediately work toward reconciliation that the body of Christ might glorify God. Years ago now, when I went off for Bible college, I'm talking about a century ago now, I arrived before the campus was open. And I knew that. It just was how things were going to play. So my dad got a hold of a relative in the Highland, Indiana area. He hadn't seen him for a long, long time, and I had never seen them, to my knowledge. I didn't know the relative. It was an aunt from my grandma's sisters. I think that's who it was. My dad called just to see if it would be possible for me, never seeing them before, them never seeing me before, to spend a few nights before I could get on campus. Without hesitation, I said, well, of course, of course, have them come. So I drove a thousand miles, got to Highland, Indiana, never been there in my life, 
found the right address, knocked on the door. Older lady opened the door. I'd never seen her before. I didn't know her at all. She didn't know me at all. She said, are you Dan? I said, yes. She said, we're family. That's all that mattered. We're family. She brought me in her home. She treated me like a son. I was there a few days. Went to Bible college. Now, now think about that. She didn't know me. I didn't know her. Can you imagine letting somebody come to your door and knock on the door? Hi, I want to spend the next three days with you. Are you kidding? Get out of here. Call the police. Unless they're family. They're family. You see, God treats family a little different. And he expects something different from family. He expects the family to get along. And he expects the family to love each other and to represent him well so that the world who has no conception of what a family is supposed to be like sees a Christ-like, loving family. And they say, wow, there's something different. There's something different about them. They, they love each other. And instead of convincing the world that Christians do nothing but fight and churches just split all the time, and they can't get along with each other. Instead of having a testimony like that, we have a testimony in the community of love. Provisions for the family. God knew we would need a whole bunch of them, so he gave us a whole long list of them. So that we could say, wow, God really loves me. No, no, it's so that we could glorify him as he loves us and we love others through him. So I ask again, I'm going to pray. Are you fulfilling your role in the family? Are you loving? Are you getting along? Are you bearing one another's burdens? Are you looking for opportunities to help somebody, to get into their life and be an, an encouragement to them? That's the goal. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you that we can meet together like this, this church body, this body of Christ, and to realize that what we're looking at is a family, your family. And Lord, I pray that you might help us to live according to your plan for the family, and that is to love one another, to be like you, to be a channel of your blessings and love to others. Lord, we've all got feelings, and those feelings get hurt sometimes. And we've got our own opinions, and we want our opinions to be known. And not everybody always values our opinion. So, Lord, we who tend to be independent, would you help us this morning to commit once again to strengthening the family for your glory? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you quietly to stand to your feet, please. Everyone standing. I'm not going to delay the invitation, but I want us to have just a few moments here where the Spirit of God has a chance to speak to hearts. In what way this morning has God spoke to your heart? Is there one of the provisions that, quite frankly, you need to be reminded of? Because you've been struggling and, and you've gotten weak, you need His strength. You need to be reminded that He loves you. But the end of that love ought not be simply you. It needs to go through others. 
What was it this morning that the Spirit of God talked to you about? Are there some hurt feelings that you're dealing with? Just having a hard time giving those up. Didn't the Lord Jesus teach us something about forgiveness? Whatever the aspect, whatever the decision, would you please be sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Thank you for this time and I thank you for speaking to hearts. Continue, I pray, the work you've begun creating in us a Christ reflecting image as your family. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.